the Humanity Church podcast, a place where meaningful conversations around living by faith, being known by love, and becoming a voice of hope are shared with the world every week. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and will join us live on Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, online or at the historic Fox Theater in beautiful downtown Pomona. We also host humanity groups that meet all throughout the city and online to continue the conversation and support you in your ongoing spiritual journey. Find one near you by visiting humanitychurch.com. If you would like to financially support this podcast or the ongoing work at Humanity Church, you can text any donation amount to 84321 and give directly from your phone. Now, here's this week's podcast. Well, welcome to November. It's officially fall, which in my book, it's officially Christmas season, but we're going to pause for a second and we're going to enter into a conversation over the next few weeks that we're calling Fostering Gratitude. And we're going to be taking a look at this spiritual element called gratitude. You know, it's interesting. There, there's some things in life that you were just born with uh, you, you, that you really have no you, you have no, like, say in those things. Uh, you really have no say in the talent that you're born with. I, I uh, am a talent coach, and I, not, not like a tap dancing and singing talent coach, but just a human talent in any arena. And uh, it's interesting because the neuroscience has found that you are hardwired for your talent by the age 16, and you really don't get a choice in your talents. They, they come hardwired into your brain. You don't really get a choice in your looks, that was just given to you, gifted to you, or cursed to you by your parents. You don't get to choose your family of origin. You, you don't really get to change, choose a lot of the circumstances that you find yourself in. I know we have an election on Monday, but you don't have, yes, please vote, but you don't really have much of a say in what goes on in the, the larger scheme of politics. You don't have much of a say in the economic realm of the world around you. You don't have much of a say in even a lot of areas of your health. There's just things that are, you're genetically disposed to that are coming whether you like it or not. And then there are other things in life that you get to foster that you can encourage, that you can grow, that you can uh, spring up inside of you, that are absolutely within your control to grow. Um, One of the things about me that if you know me is I get myself into all kinds of strange hobbies and activities, and I find myself easily obsessed with them. And there was this season a few years ago where I found out about this thing called lucid dreaming, where essentially you can, in your dream, realize that you're dreaming and then control your dream. And I just thought, that sounds awesome, right? So I did all this research on how to foster lucid dreaming, and I started all the processes of it. And you really have to foster this. You have to wake up, and in the middle of the night, after you've had a dream, to write down all the symbols that you noticed in your dreams, and start making a list of all the patterns that you noticed in your dream. All throughout your day, you have to ask yourself, am I dreaming? And like, you're supposed to do that every hour, and so I did that for like weeks on end. Am I dreaming? No, right? And so I would check in, and the idea is that eventually when you're dreaming, you'll do the same thing in your dream, am I dreaming, and you'll say, oh, yes, right? And so I did this for probably months on end. I had a dream journal, I was asking myself these strange questions, people looked at me like I was crazy when I asked myself these questions, and then I remember one night, it was storming, the water was coming down, and I found myself in a flood, and in that middle of that flood, I asked myself, am I dreaming? And the answer was yes. And all of a sudden, I was able to put my arms out and control the levels of the flood. And I was able to part the rain. And then I grabbed an umbrella and flew off into the sky like Mary Poppins. And I was like, I'm doing it, I'm doing it. But it took months and months and months of fostering this 
lucid dreaming. Now, I only did it once because I decided I didn't want to go through all the work of fostering anymore. But eventually I was able to get there. And in life, there are all sorts of things that we can foster that don't actually come naturally. And when we foster them, they shift our experience of life here and now. And they have to be fostered because they don't come naturally. Like one of the things that has to be fostered in life is healthy relationships. No one actually drifts into a healthy relationship. I guarantee you, if you're married, if you have close friends, if you're really connected to other people in your family, uh, usually people don't go on autopilot and say, wow, my relationships got healthier. They have to be fostered. That has to be really invested in in some way, shape, or form. People are generally not kind. I know that may be assaulting to you, but, but kindness is one of those things that has to be fostered in our life. We have to work at it. We have to put an effort to live a life of kindness. And, and we have to engage these things from a deep level. Even, even living your purpose. If you're going to continue to find, discover, to live your purpose, it has to be fostered at a very deep level. And I'm going to ask you to consider today and as we move through this series that one of the most powerful things that you can foster in your life is this element of gratitude. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about gratitude, in fact, I almost didn't do this series because when I think about gratitude, it's one of those like cute words, you know? It's not like one of those words that people are like, this is in my top three lists of attributes that I want to be known for often. And it seems like it's up there with, like, being gentle, right? Or being patient. They're good things. They're things that we should all aspire to, but they're not like being powerful or bold or, or, or resilient in life. I remember even growing up, we had this cheesy song that we played in our house that was like, just have the attitude of gratitude, attitude of gratitude. I mean, when I think about gratitude, that's what I think of, like cheesy songs and cute words around what it looks like to be thankful for things in life. And yet, all throughout the scriptures, it talks about being thankful, about being grateful. It's something that we all teach our kids. What do you say? Thank you, right? So there must be something more to this element of gratitude than what we recognize just at the surface. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, Paul tells us this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. How many of you struggle with that? Like being grateful in all situations. <laughs> See, there's, it's okay to be grateful when things are going well and things are all put together and when life is showing up the way that you want it to. It's a whole different ball game when you get to be grateful for all things in life. And have you ever found yourself in life just extremely ungrateful? Or maybe going through a season where you were extremely ungrateful? You know, ungratefulness, it's amazing that when we find ourselves there, how small our world becomes how things start to shrink, how we find ourselves so quickly in a space of scarcity. And I, I got to tell you, I have been there so many times, and I go there so easily. This week, I, I, was, I was praying, Lord, would you just reveal to me a, a new depth of gratitude that I uh, don't, haven't experienced before? Because I, when I speak on this, I don't want to speak of it like a cute word. I want to speak of it like, man, this is a deep spiritual practice that I know at a cognitive level is important. But I want to know it at like a, a gut level that this is an important spiritual attribute. 
And so Thursday morning, I get up, and I, I have my last work day. I was in a training this weekend in Pasadena, and so Friday and Saturday, I was working outside of the office, and so Thursday was my last work day. I had a lot to get done to prep for the weekend and get things, some things done for next week, and so I go outside. It's my day to take Jackson to school, and I open my car door, and I notice that, that the cap to my lock had fallen out on the ground, and I thought, that's weird. I picked it back up, and I opened my door, and I noticed that all my things are strewn all around the car. And I think, oh, I've been pretty messy this week. And then I notice that my center console is completely ripped apart, and there's wires hanging out everywhere, and my ignition is hanging from a thread, completely burned out. And I realize, oh my gosh, I have just been broken into. And so I immediately go into panic mode. I feel so violated in that moment. And I, I tell Marla, you have to take Jackson to school. I got to file a police report. We got to call insurance. And I'm scourging through the car thinking, where is everything? And in the back of my head, I heard this voice that said, this is your provision to learn the depths of gratitude. <laughs> Don't pray for gratitude. It's a bad, it's a bad thing for, for the most part. But as I went through my day, I was like, all right, Lord, what are you trying to show me in this moment about gratitude, right? And there were so many things throughout the day that was like, well, you know, I normally leave my electronics in my car at night. It's just it's a bad habit. And for whatever reason, that week I brought them in, and so they weren't in the car, so there weren't any valuables in the car. Jackson's birthday gifts were in the trunk, and they, for whatever reason, didn't pop the trunk to look in there. And then I realized when I called my insurance that in January, I had this thought, oh, we should probably up our insurance. And so I actually covered theft insurance, and so now it was covered. And I'm like, oh, look at all this, all this that there is to be grateful in the middle of this, right? In a situation that would have been very easy to immediately become really ungrateful for in this. There can be all sorts of beautiful things happening in your life, and without gratitude, we don't actually see them. They're, they're not there. And here's the thing, that there can be all sorts of beautiful things, and it still is not good enough, and it will not be fulfilling. And we begin to think, well, if I just had fill in the blank, then I'll be grateful. Or if, or if God, if you would just take this away from me, then I will live a life of gratitude. And here's the thing. If you never get it, then you're actually doomed to live a life of lack. Or what's even worse is when you do get it and you realize that you're still not grateful. That life still isn't fulfilling. That the money actually didn't do what you thought it was going to do. That the better job didn't actually create gratitude in your life. That the new relationship didn't provide what you thought it was going to provide. That, that, that telling that person off didn't actually do what you thought it was going to do over here. And look, we, we all know people who have all sorts of things. Who have wealth and resources and still find themselves wanting more. You know those people? I'm not going to say if you are those people, but you know those people, right? They get the new car, and then they start talking about, well, you know, I really wanted this car, and I really wanted to have these features, but I'll settle for this. Or they get the new job, and they say, well, you know, I'll stay here for a while until I can actually get my dream job. And, and it's amazing to watch how people who have so much find themselves in a space of a lack of gratitude, and I've been around all kinds of wealthy people who have all kinds of resources and are still plagued by this mindset of scarcity. 
I remember years ago, we had this single mom that was a part of our community, and every first Sunday of the month would come to me personally with her tithes and offering in an envelope. And I kept telling her, please just put them in the offering bucket. I don't like to touch that. I don't know who gives what. I don't like knowing that. But she would come to me, and she would hand me the check, and she would say, look how much I'm giving. Now, she wouldn't say that because she was boasting. She was saying, look, I'm a single mom, and this is a sacrifice. Would you pray for me? And every Sunday, I was like, I will receive this humbly. It's not mine. It's going to the church, and I will pray for you. And I prayed for her. And every single time she did that, she would just thank me and thank me and thank me and thank me for this community. And she was so overwhelmingly grateful for everything that was being done here for her kids and for her family and what God was doing in her life. And she was so grateful to be able to give back to the work here. And I remember one Sunday, I, she, she came up to me and she gave me the check and she said, would you pray for me? And we did the whole thing and I put it in our offering bu- buckets and they went into our lockbox where they go to. And then I had this other woman in our church at the time who was um, ridiculously wealthy. <laughs> you know those people who are just ridiculously wealthy? She was ridiculously wealthy and she let people know that, know that she was ridiculously wealthy. And um, she came to me and she said, I'm, I'm writing you a big check this week and I need to make sure that you get it personally. And I'm like, well, I don't look at the checks, so uh, someone will take care of it. She said, no, I need you to look at it personally. And I'm thinking, oh, man, this is, this is going to be good, right? <laughs> like, well, we might be able to do some things here at Humanagers. We had some plans of some things we wanted to do. I was like, this is going to be great. And she called me every single day. Did you get the check? It's coming in the mail. I'm like, no, not today, not today. And I remember uh, the, every day giving me a call, going out to check the mailbox. And finally, I remember it was a Thursday, and it came in the mail. And she, she explicitly said, call me as soon as you get it, because I want to know that you get it. And I'm like, all right, all right. And I opened it up, and it was a check for $50. <laughs> now, look, $50 is great. I don't care how much people give. I literally don't. Had she not, I'd usually, I don't even know how much people give, whatever, but she had specifically said, open the check, look at it. And, she, and I'm like, awesome. And, and I called her and I said, I got the check. Thank you so much. And she said, I expect a thank you card. <laughs> and in my head I said, I will, I will send you a thank you card. And I sent her a thank you card. And uh, then the next week she came to me and she said, why did only you sign it? And I said, well, uh, our staff was out that day, and uh, they weren't available to all sign the communal card thanking you for your gift. Uh, And uh, she said, this will be the last time that I give to your community. Now, no, no problem in that. Like, we don't, we're not like a space. Look, there's plenty of churches who beg you for money. We're not in that space. But, But I just thought, how interesting is it that here is a woman who is a single mom raising four kids and is giving hundreds of dollars, to be honest, to our community and was thanking us so much for the work that we did here. And here is someone who has means beyond her means and was so ungrateful for what was taking place around them here in our community. And and it was just a reminder to me that I, I could have all the money in the world that I could have all the resources, that I could have all the wealth, that I could have all of my wildest dreams come true, and it still would not be enough without this element of gratitude in life. See, there's this lie that I think we buy into, especially in our culture here in America, that when I get more, then I'll finally be able to experience gratitude. That when my needs are finally met, then I'll be grateful. And it's just a lie. I remember there was one year where we were on vacation in Mexico, and I decided I wanted to do something new, and so I signed up for this bird watching tour, which I had never done before, but I thought that would be fun. 
And then I found out that I had to be at this golf course meeting place at 5 a.m. And so I got up at 4.30 a.m. I got my coffee in hand. I'm like dragging myself to the golf course at 5 o'clock in the morning. And then when I get there, they say, oh, we can't bring coffee into the ecological preserve. So I throw it away. I get on the golf cart. We drive off into the jungle. And we stop in the middle of the jungle. And, and we, we are there with these biologists. And I, we, they stop. And they're just like, oh, wow. And I'm sitting there going, what are we looking at, right? What's going on here, huh? It's early, I'm frustrated, and, and, and they're going, wow, isn't this so amazing? And I'm like, what, what are we doing here? It's, it's 6 a.m., the sun's not even up yet. So what, are you, what are you talking about? And, and they said, shh, 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 just listen, okay? And as I, as I quieted myself down, I, I, I was like, all right, what are we listening to? And, and they started pointing out, do you hear that little cheep, cheep, cheep over in the tree? Yes, I hear the cheep, cheep, cheep. And I look over, oh, there's like, oh, there's a little like blue bird up there that I hadn't noticed before. And, and then they'd say, all right, now listen, listen, do you hear that like, over in the distance over there? Oh, yeah, I can hear that now. And, and there was like this beautiful parrot in this tree up in uh, a while in the distance. And I had my binoculars. I was able to see it. And, and as we went through and we just quieted ourselves down, all of a sudden I recognized and realized that we were surrounded by all of these tropical birds. And they, I mean, they were all around us. And I was unable to see them up until this moment until they pointed that out. And all of a sudden, I was able to see. And it was amazing to see all of this wildlife all around us that I had not been aware of before that moment. And then when we went back another year, I decided I'm going to go back on this bird-watching trip. And it was amazing that instantly I was able to say, oh, look at that parrot. Look at this hummingbird. Look at that wood-credited nutfincher nut or whatever. And, and, uh, and I could see him instantly. And everyone else on the, uh, on the car was where I was when I first started and going, why are we out here? What are we looking at? And I was the one going, look at this parrot and look at this bird and look at that blue bird, look at this one. And suddenly I realized that we were surrounded by birds. Now here's the crazy thing is that it's not that the birds weren't there when I started. It's not that they weren't all around me. It wasn't like I wasn't surrounded by this tropical paradise of birds. Is that I could not see them. I was not trained to see them. I was not allowing myself to pause long enough to see them in the middle of my surroundings there. And here's the thing about gratitude that is so powerful, is that gratitude allows you to see the world in a brand new way. It allows you to see things that have been there the entire time, but that you may have not been aware of up until now. See, gratitude is not the result of getting everything that you want in life. Gratitude is the result of training yourself to see everything as a gift. It is the result of training your eyes to look out at the world and recognize, wow, I have so much and I can see it in the middle of that. And in that, when you train yourself to see the world through that lens, wow, everything is a gift, it shifts your experience here and now, right in the middle of it. See, it's not that one minute you're not blessed and the next minute you are. It's that in one minute you can't see it. And in the next minute, when you foster gratitude in your life, your eyes are opened to see the world in a brand new way. And here's the crazy thing, is that most people go through life having more than they could ever imagine, and they are unable to see it. There are people who go through life having more than they could ever imagine, and they will die unfulfilled, and they will die wanting more. 
and they will die saying, I wish, rather than recognizing that they lived in paradise the entire time. Matthew 13, 14 through 16, Jesus is talking to these, about these religious leaders at the time, and he said this, he says, in them it is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, you will be ever hearing but never understanding. You will be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's hearts has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand them with their understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because you see and your ears because you hear. See, here's the thing. Jesus here was talking about people being able to see him right in front of them. He was essentially saying, I'm right here. Here is life, and here is truth, and here is grace, and here is love, and here is light right in front of you, and you can't see it. And he said, but there are some, there are some who can see what's right in front of them, and it transforms their entire life. It says that they are blessed because of that. And the same goes with gratitude, that it literally transforms how we see and then experience life around me. See, when you foster gratitude, when you foster this attitude of seeing everything around you as a gift, your eyes are blessed because now when I'm looking out at life, I'm looking out at all of the abundance that I'm living in. I'm not looking out at life seeing lack. I'm looking out at my life saying, I have so much that has been gifted to me. Your ears are blessed because when you look out at life and you hear life, you're not listening through the lens of how can I get what's mine and how can I take what's missing and how can I fulfill the void. We are listening for all of the abundance that's here and now and presence in our life and in that we are blessed. And in that, life becomes full and meaningful and lacking nothing, which is a very different experience from living a life of ungratitude, which is more about scarcity and it's about lacking and where a life is meaningless in all of that. There's something that transforms when we begin to foster gratitude in our lives and our eyes and how we see the world and thus shifting our experience of life here and now. In fact, I want you just to take three minutes and turn to the person next to you, and I'd like for you to think right now of something in your life that you are really grateful for. I'm not, you know, I'm not thinking, like, not not like, oh, I'm thinking grateful we had a good meal last night. I want you to think of, like, if you were to just think of the thing that you are most grateful for right now, it could be a relationship, it could be a circumstance that you find yourself in, it could be a community that you're a part of. I just want you to think of the thing right now that you would say, this is what I am most grateful for and Why? All right? I'd love for you just to take a minute and tell your neighbor. Just share with your neighbor, here's what I'm most grateful for right now and why. All right? Go ahead and do that. If you're online, in the chat box, just go ahead and start typing in all of the things that you're grateful for. Start letting us know all of the things that that you are grateful for in life and why. Uh, Phil will be interacting with you there, so go ahead and do that. Shout out to me. If you would. I don't want to hear what you're grateful for, although I'd love to know that later. Uh... Tell me, what you, you ex, you, tell me what you're experiencing as you think about what you're most grateful for. Tell me what your experience is in sharing that. Love. Love. What's that? Transparency. Transparency. What else are you experiencing? Gratitude. What else are you experiencing? Peace. peace. Yeah, there's a peace about it. Sense of belonging. What else? Intimacy. What else? Health. Health. Yeah. 
It's amazing how just a moment and pausing to say, you know what, I'm going to foster gratitude for just a minute and a half with this person. How it creates this new experience in the room, all of this, around us. Now, sometimes I think that when we, when we talk about fostering gratitude, we oftentimes think of it as a parent saying, what do you say, right? Like as if God was in heaven pouring down his gifts on us, and he's like, what do you say, right? <laughs> See, I don't think that's the case at all. God does not need us to be grateful because he just simply doesn't need that from us. See, I think when God calls us to be thankful, to see life as, man, everything is a gift and I am the recipient of that gift, what he's saying is that, look, the alternative of gratitude, of living a life of ungratefulness is miserable, that it will constantly be a life of lack. And when he invites us into a life that fosters gratitude, what he is saying is, look, I would love for you to have this new experience in life. Because I imagine that what God says in this is what he's saying is, look, I can give and give and give and bless and bless and bless, and I can continue to do the miraculous in your life day after day after day, but without gratitude, you will not perceive it. You will not see, you will not see it. So, so in other words, what God often is saying to us is that it doesn't matter how much I pour out to you unless you have gratitude, it will not be available to you. It will not actually be accessible to you here in this life. Or you can foster gratitude and you can step into this new abundant experience of life here and now. Not someday, but right now. In any moment, we can transform how we see the world through gratitude and recognize, wow, I am living in abundance right now. But, but look, this is easier said than done, right? <laughs> it, it, we don't always have a, a pastor or a coach or a friend saying, all right, let's pause and think about what we're grateful for, right? It, it's much easier said than done. And even just the, the, the coaching around, we'll just be grateful, seems shallow, doesn't it? If it was that easy, we'd all do it all the time. So how does one actually foster gratitude? How does one begin the process of, of fostering gratitude? How do you get to a place where you see everything as a gift and you recognize that you are so blessed and that it transforms the way that you see the world? See, I think a better question might be what holds us back from living in gratitude? What actually becomes a barrier for us fully stepping into a grateful life here and now? What causes us to chronically look at life through the lens of scarcity and, and saying there is not enough and skepticism in life? See, what I found in coaching thousands of people and working with people and fostering their own spiritual journey and their identity is that there is one thing that kills gratitude faster than anything else. In fact, it is the poison that will kill gratitude in your life quicker than almost anything else, and that is unforgiveness. That bitterness is the poison that immediately kills the possibility for gratitude in your life, known as bitterness. See, the fact of the matter is, is that We've all experienced hurt. We've all experienced betrayal. We've all experienced letdown. We've all experienced life not showing up the way that we thought it was going to show up. We've all experienced the pain of, of people in our lives that say that they were there to love us and care for us. And then they did something that they were not supposed to in life. And we find ourselves stuck in the middle of that. 
And, and what we do with that, what we do with the hurt, the betrayal, the letdown, the, the overwhelming sense of injustice in life will determine how you see the world around you. It impacts on the opposite side how we see the world. See, because if we hold on to that offense, that bitterness, that resentment towards that person and what happened or didn't happen towards what you received or didn't receive, we will find ourselves living from a very clear perspective of scarcity and lack. It fosters that in our life. See, if you want to foster scarcity and lack, just hold on to the offense. Just hold on to the resentment. Be unwilling to release and to forgive other people in your life. Because here's what happens is that when we find ourselves hurt, let down, offended, betrayed, and we hold on to that, we find ourselves in this internal conversation, whether we're aware of it or not, that says, someone took something from me. Someone took my dignity, they took my honor, they took my respect, they took my innocence, they took my trust, they took the relationship, they took their promise, they took what they said they were going to do in life, and now... I'm at a deficit, and so I need to get it back in some way, shape, or form. I need to find a way to get back what someone took from me, and so now when I look out at life, I look out at life through the lens of what I don't have and what someone took from me, and now what is absent from my life. And in Hebrews 12, 15, a verse that's very familiar in our community, it says, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and to defile many or much. See, I, I, that, that phrase right there is so horrifying to me. That a little root of bitterness grows out and it defiles, it troubles much, it troubles many because the thing about bitterness, like gratitude, is it impacts how we see the world. It, in fact, it impacts the filter through which we're looking at everything out there. So now when I look out at the world, every single relationship that I'm in, that I engage with, I'm looking at it through, I need to take something from you because I'm at a deficit. I need to get something from you. Not that I get to be in this relationship, that I'm grateful for it, that I, I, I am so overwhelmed with the blessing that this person is. Now I see this person just as the tool that I get to use to fill back up the void that is within me. And so we find ourselves in the space of needing to take. And here's the insepid thing about living in a space of bitterness where it informs us that we are living in scarcity is that no career, no hobby, no amount of money, no other person will be enough to fill up that debt. E even when you get back at the person who betrayed you, and you get your vengeance, and you see them suffer, it will never actually fill the void. That you can even divorce the person and walk away and say, I'm done, it will not fill the void. That you can choose, I'm never going to see this person again, I'm never going to interact with them, it will not fill the void. You could decide that you're going to be a happy person and get on with life. It will not fill the void. Nothing actually fills the void in terms of what we can bring to it. And the thing is, is that what was once between me and this person that betrayed me or hurt me now becomes the lens that I look out at every relationship with. So now I go out and I become the betrayer in the relationship. I go out and become the abuser. I go out and become the person that hurts others because every single relationship is an opportunity to take from them. It colors everything that I see and it blocks me from the ability to live a life of gratitude. 
There's no possibility to look out at life and say, man, this is such a gift because it's not, because someone took something from me and I have to get it back. And really what bitterness does, it says, I am doomed to live a life that is defined by a deficit. And it may feel powerful in the moment to hold on to unforgiveness, isn't it? I mean, let's be real, right? Like when you're like, I'm not letting that person off the hook. I'm not holding, I'm not letting, you know, I'm, I am holding on to this. It feels powerful in the moment, right? It's probably one of the reasons why we hold on to it for so long because we think that we're punishing them over there in some way, shape, or form. And we think that we have them in a prison cell and that we have the keys and we're not letting them go. But the crazy thing is that when we hold on to that, we're actually the ones stuck in the prison cell holding the own keys saying, I'm going to punish you out there. A few months back, there, there was a friend who, um, in, in my estimation, betrayed me in a pretty deep way. And I, I recognized it, and in my heart, I was like, I'm going to let it go. I'm going I'm to release it. And how many, of you, how many of you ever had that space where you forgive, and then it pops right back up? You know, it's like that whack-a-mole game. You're like, I hit it down, and then it pops right back up, right? And I noticed this because I, uh, here's always a tell for me when I know I'm living in, in resentment or bitterness, is that I saw an Instagram post about how great their life was going, and I was like, eh. You know? I was like, hmm, they don't really deserve that. That's probably not true, right? I know that they should be miserable, right? And so in my head, I was like, oh, Nathan, Nathan, you are fostering bitterness over here. And life is getting very scarce because of it. And I, I did the right thing, and I sent an email to this individual, because I didn't know if they would want to pick up my phone call. And I just said, hey, I have been fostering resentment and bitterness towards you. And I just wanted to let you know that I don't want that type of relationship with you. And so I just, I want to, I release you from any debt that you owe me. And I release you from, from anything that, that, that came our way. And, and I release you from, from everything that happened. And uh, they said, hey, can we have a phone call? And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So I, we picked up the phone. I called them. And they answered the phone. And the first thing they said is they said, oh, yeah, I forgot that that happened. Now, my first thought was like, really, right? <laughs> but then, you know what then I thought about? As I thought, this person's been living their life completely free. Yeah. They've been off living their, all those Instagram posts were actually true, right? I'm like, <laughs> they're actually doing fine. And for 10 months, I've been harboring all of this resentment and bitterness and frustration and been unwilling to reach out and harboring all of this the whole time. I've been the one suffering as the result of it. And that phone call was so haunting to me because I recognized that I had been holding on to the poison and expecting them to die over there in some way, shape, or form. And there was something so powerful of recognizing that in life so often we think that we're holding the other person to some account and really they're off living their lives and we're the ones stuck in the prison cell of lack and scarcity and skepticism and bitterness. See, if you would like to step into a deeper level of gratitude and live in abundance and freedom, forgiveness will be a regular spiritual practice for you. It will be just something that you do on a regular, ongoing basis. And forgiveness doesn't actually let the other person off the hook. It actually lets you off the hook. 
It releases you from a life sentence of seeing the world through a lens of scarcity. And it releases your eyes to see the world through a lens that says there is so much beauty and there is so much hope and there is so much redemption and you are no longer living from a place of a deficit, but you are free to be grateful for all of the gifts that you are living in right here and now. The beautiful thing is it creates a space for others to be seen and known as well for the full gift that they are. And so it invites others into a space of gratitude. So as we release our resentment and as we step into a space of gratitude, it then actually invites others to be in a space of gratitude with us. Because we remind them of the gift that they are and the abundance that they are living in with us in this moment. So the question really this morning as we begin fostering gratitude is, who do you need to forgive? Who in your life do you get the privilege of releasing? Not to let them off the hook or not to make it okay, but to release your eyes so that you can see, maybe for the first time in a long time, the gifts that you are currently living in. See, the beautiful thing about this is that you can have an abundant life right now if you're willing to release and step into this new perspective that Jesus invites, invites us into. All it takes is a perspective shift to step into that life, from seeing your life from the perspective of a deficit and seeing everything as a gift. See, here's what I know about God, is that he is the provider. And he is always, always, always in a space of providing. There is never a moment where he is not providing. There is never a moment where he is not in a space of pouring out abundantly more than we could ask or imagine. We are never left without. We are never left without a a, a pathway forward. We are never left without the resources we need to fulfill the life calling that is on us. We are never left without all of the blessings and the gifts needed to actually fulfill our mission in life. And if God is always providing, then it's not him that's the problem. It's us that are unwilling to see it. And so when he invites us into this space and says, just open your eyes, would you be willing to see it transforms everything? Will you have the eyes to perceive it this season? And so we want to give you a little gift this morning to support you in fulfilling this mission, in stepping into a space where we are fostering gratitude. So right now our ushers are going to be handing out these gratitude jars. And so we're going to give one per family. So if you could take one per family unit, and they're going to be passing those out right now. And in these jars are little slips of paper, all right? And there's about 40 of them in there, maybe more, maybe less. Um, And so as they start passing them now, just ask for one per family member. You can take those. And here's what we're going to ask you to do for the next 30 days is we're going to ask you to foster gratitude in your home and in your life on a regular basis. So here, here's the thing. At a minimum, what I'm going to ask you to do is to wake up every single morning and to take one of those slips of paper and write something specific that you're grateful for. 
Something very specific. Not like, I'm thankful for food, right? Or I'm thankful for my house. What specifically are you thankful for in your refrigerator or in your house? If you have kids, don't just write your kids. Write their names individually and write what you're grateful for. If you have friends, don't just write friends. Pick a name and write what you're grateful for. And as you put that into the jar that day, I want you to pause. And I want you to say a prayer of gratitude. Of just saying, Lord, thank you for this blessing that you have in my life, over my life, that you have already given me. And here's the thing. As you go throughout your day, if you think of more things, you can write those down and put them in there. You can write, you, look, you're not limited to one a day, all right? <laughs> you, can, you, can, you can foster all kinds of gratitude all throughout the day. And here's what I would love to see happen. I would love to see this jar become a visual representation for you and your family that you see every single day. So put it in a prominent spot. Put it in your kitchen, put it on your dining room table, put it by your television, somewhere that you're going to see it on a regular basis where you can say, wow, look at what I have to be grateful for. Now, how many of you have kids in the room? Awesome. I'm going to invite you to do this with your kids every single day as well. So if you want to do this around the dinner table at night, if you want to do this first thing in the morning and say, hey, we're all going to say something that we're thankful for every single day. And look, your kids are going to say silly things like, I'm thankful for the silly putty that I got yesterday. Let them be it, right? It's, it's a great space for them to begin fostering gratitude in your own lives. And here's the thing. I would love for you over the next 30 days to snap pictures of this gratitude jar. Even today, when you go home, snap a picture of it, tag humanity.church on Instagram or Facebook, use the hashtag fostering gratitude, and as we go throughout the month, I'd love to see these start to fill up. Uh, show us your fall colors in there, and let us see all that you have to be grateful for. You don't have to write, you don't have to take a snapshot of what you wrote down, just show us the jar and where you put it, and we as a community are going to foster gratitude together over the next 30 days and just see what it does internally for us as we see the world through a new lens, all right? It's going to be exciting. I'm excited for this series. So let me pray for us as we jump into our final time together. Jesus. I thank you that you invite us into this space of seeing all things new. I thank you that, that you are so good in the way that you pour out your blessings and your gifts and your goodness in our lives. My hope, my prayer, my desire over the next 30 days, Lord, is that you would open our eyes. Is that you would let us see. God, that you would let us see all that is around us. I pray that even as we go home today and even as we, we put these gratitude jars somewhere as just a, like a memorial in our house, that you would even now just begin opening our eyes. That we would even just walk away overwhelmed with the gift of life that you've given us, Jesus. And this morning, if you're here and you haven't yet connected to Jesus, maybe you're here and, and you're like, this sounds amazing. I have never yet connected to this God who gifts good things and who pours out blessings in life. I'd love to give you an opportunity to meet him and to, to be honest, just to give your life over to him and allow him to pour fully into your life. And so if that's you today, if you're here in person, I'd love for you just to like look up at me. If you're like, yeah, I want to I connect to Jesus, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time. If you're online, you can just click that button that says, today I choose to follow Jesus. And and I'd love for you just to pray this prayer with me. Prayer is not magic words. It's just you connecting, praying to him. You can just pray, dear Jesus, I give you my life. I know that I am broken. 
and that you died on the cross for me and you came back to life so that I could be made whole. Jesus, I thank you for the gifts that you have poured out in me. Help me to see the world new. I make you Lord of my life and I give you everything. I thank you in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope that it was a meaningful experience and look forward to having you listen in next week for another conversation from the heart and soul of Humanity Church. You can find more information about our community at www.humanitychurch.com.